0: Kane is in the building. <laughs>
1: Welcome to another edition of the Deliberation Sports Podcast, coming to you wherever you may be, however you may be listening. We definitely appreciate y'all for checking us out once again this week, man, with some more great stuff that we got up for you today. I'm Josh Midget, of course with me, Evan DeVoe, Justice Bolden, the Deliberation Sports crew, coming to you, man. We've got a lot of stuff to get to, so we're going to get right into it. NBA, college basketball, all things sports, NFL as well. So y'all stay tuned. Justice, let the people know how they can follow All Things Deliberation. First
2: off, they can uh, follow us on Twitter at DeliberationSP1 and at Deliberation Sports Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. We also have the Facebook uh, open group Deliberation Sports Community. In addition to that, to subscribe, you can do so by going to visiting. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor Podcasts. Just look for the deliberation Sports
1: Podcast. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Y'all check us out. Follow us. Subscribe, share, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all that that just just laid out. Be sure y'all check it out. So getting right into it, man. We're going to start off with some NBA action. Uh, and of course, the top story in the NBA, um, which has been this way for a while is the the uh, amazing play of one James Hardy, The bearded one in Houston is taking scoring to another level, which is crazy to say because he's always been an elite scorer. But this right here is you can even do this on 2K if you were trying to, man. It's just unbelievable what he is doing. And it's, it seems like there's no end in sight uh, right now, man. He's got Houston right in the thick of things as it relates to the playoff race. So I'm going to get right into that, man. uh, Evan, what what do you think, man? What do you think about this crazy run that Harden's been on? I think that uh, it's just what the doctor ordered for for him.
3: Over the last three games, which has started with a uh, just demolition of the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, he had 57 points. Then he had 58. And then last night, or yesterday, uh, what was last night against the Lakers, he had 48. For the season, he's averaging 37.4, so he's essentially averaging 40 points a game. And over the last three, he's averaging 54.3. To me, this is what the doctor ordered for Houston because you don't have to worry about Chris Paul getting his. Uh, when they cut mellow, you don't have to worry about him jacking up his 12 15 shots a game. Everybody knows their role. They know if they get down, go look for hard. Uh, you could hit PJ Tucker in the corner for the three. You saw last night him getting real physical with a lot of the Lakers guys. Uh everybody knows their role. Uh there's not two or three alpha dogs uh trying to beat ahead. Uh everybody knows James Harden is the alpha dog right now. And I think it'll be Chris Paul, of course, helps you, but at the moment when they were struggling and a lot of people writing them off, I never thought this team wouldn't be in the playoffs. Never. Uh, really? No. Nah. No, if you go back to our podcast, I kept saying, man, Houston will be there. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people tried to write a team off in the first month of the NBA, and it's crazy. It's an 82-game season. So to cut them off in the first 15 to 20 games is retarded. This is just what the doctor ordered for Houston. Uh, But I'm going to get off a little track. Uh, I mentioned to this to Justice earlier. If I'm Houston, I love it. If I'm OKC, I hate it because i never forget when Stan Presti decided to sign Serge Ibaka instead of James Harden. And if you keep James Harden on that team, KD can walk you still good. Uh, I just would have loved to see. I think if they would have kept their court together, they'd probably have a championship in OKC. Uh, but what James Harden is doing is is phenomenal. It's kind of like Kobe-ish, Jordan-like. We haven't seen this since those guys. Uh, LeBron, he's one of the greatest of all time. He doesn't put together numbers like this. He don't, not at all. No, I don't even know if he had if he ever hit sixty. We'll we'll have to look that up. I don't think LeBron hit sixty though so what Harden is doing is amazing, man. I'm enjoying it. This is what the NBA is all about, man. Guys going on runs like this, man. The run he's he's putting on, man, is going to be remembered forever in the NBA, man. So shout out to James Harden, man. Hopefully he keeps balling out like this.
1: Yeah, you know, just just thinking about it, man. I watch it. I watch the highlights and even watching the, the Laker game the other day out in Houston was able to come back. And I know the Lonzo ball injury probably had something to do with it, but still to, to see him continuing to do this. And, and, you know, he is the main focus of every defense that they play against. Everybody knows it's James Harden. This is the guy we need to focus on. We don't worry about too much else, especially when guys like Chris Paul and everybody else are hurt. He is the main scoring option. And they still can't stop him. the shots he's hitting, the step back threes, the getting in the lane, the free throws, which he's one of the best at drawing fouls. And I know a lot of people hate the way he gets to the line, which I do understand, but nonetheless, you gotta respect the way he's able to consistently do that. So all that being said, I mean, this might be the greatest run I've ever seen, personally. And this is this has come from somebody who's watched a lot of NBA, you know, from the Allen Iversons, who's one of my favorite players personally, Um, Kobe Bryant, guys like that. There's been a ton of great scores. It's been in the league, um, you know, throughout the years. And to say this is the best ever is just crazy. gonna ask you this, Evan. Yeah. People seem to not want to really put James Harden in the category of guys like Kobe. I still see different guys saying, well, you can't really put, you know, Harden at that level, he's not that type of guy. I don't agree with that. That's just me, though. I feel like he's the, what this era's, Kobe type of guy. But when it comes to game winners, when it comes to just being a great player, what what, what do you think? Um,
3: If you want to mention, get mentioned in the same breath as Kobe, you got to go get some rings. Uh, You you can't be folding in the big-time games. James Harden hasn't succeeded in the playoffs. Last year, he was a no-show against OKC. Um, It's just what he does. So Kobe wouldn't have folded against – I mean, not OKC, Golden State. I'm sorry. Um, Kobe wouldn't have folded against Golden State. Whether he would have won or not, that remains to be seen. But, I mean, you saw what LeBron did last year. They got swept, but what he averaged 30-plus, 10 rebounds, 9 assists? Uh, Harden is not on that level with those guys. So you can't compare Harden to Kobe, in my opinion. Until he has postseason success. Uh, if you remember, it was Dallenberg. It was Chris Paul before his hamstring injury. Uh, it was Eric Gordon. Uh, it was those guys, Ariza. Uh, yeah. Those guys were, were helping uh, lead the team uh, when Harden was, was was struggling against the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference final. So until he has postseason success, I can't compare him to Kobe because Kobe in the postseason, he showed up and showed out.
2: Well, also though, Kobe uh, had a had a, a palgasol Gasol who was an all star. Uh, you know, he had a Shaquille O'Neal. Um, has James Harden had a player alongside him um, outside of OKC the caliber of uh, a Pal Gasol or Shaquille O'Neal?
3: Well, well, let me let me answer that one, Justice, if you don't mind me cutting you off. Mm-hmm. That's why I said even even if you look at LeBron last year, like I said, Kobe might have lost to Golden State, but LeBron averaged. 30 plus, 10 rebounds, nine assists. James Harden in, in, in some of the Golden State games was essentially a no-show. I remember he went like four for 27 one game. I mean, it was just terrible.
2: Well, and I know he wilted, he wilted down the stretch in that in that series. I think it was likely due to fatigue. It's probably just because of the way he plays. He dribbles so much that uh I mean he he by far leads the league in dribbles. It's not a sustainable way to play. But if let me ask you this, because I know you mentioned it earlier about uh uh who OKC made a decision with. In my opinion, Harden is more of a a winner than uh, Russell Westbrook. He, he at worst, has taken uh, Houston to the Western Conference Finals and was was in a game of making the NBA Finals. Westbrook has not been able to do that uh, with OKC. So did they choose the wrong guy? Should Preston have chosen Harden over Westbrook and then kept
3: KD alongside him? I think so because Harden isn't a a guy who's just self well, Westbrook basically ran kD out of what he did uh but you can also say this this is essentially uh Westbrook what the third year by himself uh we we'll oh, yeah see, yeah we'll have to see what he does with uh pg uh he's gotten to the playoffs every year uh by himself uh so we'll see what he does with pg this year um I'm not once, once again uh he's got a guy. Alongside
2: him, a young Paul George, who's you know in in the prime of his career, he's come back from that injury.
3: He's, Wait a minute now, what's that? Wait a minute now. Chris Paul balled out last year in the playoffs. Without Chris Paul, they don't get that far in the Western Conference Finals. As a matter of fact, Chris Paul not hurt. I think they beat Golden State. Chris Paul, I think, I, I think Steph Curry on the skates, of, skates, uh, man. Uh, due
2: to his age. I mean, Chris Paul, he's he's on the backside. He's on the downside of his career.
3: Yeah, not you, what Paul George. You, you, Paul you, George is is in his prime. Yeah, but Paul George ain't getting it in the playoffs either. You can say all day, James Harden ain't got this, ain't got that, but it was because of his supporting cast last year, especially Chris Paul, the reason why they got that far in the Western Conference Finals Center to begin with. Yeah, right. well, yeah. well, no doubt,
2: no doubt. I mean, certainly when you look at Chris Paul, I mean, he's he'd always been one of the better PGs in the league. But let's remember, the same injury he faced in the playoffs last year, he tore his, uh, he tore his hamstring even worse this year. He's not getting any younger. I, I it's, it's what James Harden is doing. Even to have Houston uh, first in the, in that division in the Southwest division, just shows how great he truly is. Well, he ain't no Kobe. I'm gonna just say that. No, no, he's not. He's not a Kobe because he can go out and get 58 points and still get uh, 10 plus assists. Kobe w- wasn't able to do that. He was
3: just going to get points, and he was going to make a lot of shots at the end. Okay, well, let me so, ask you this, Justice, he wasn't get the assist That was a sideway, like, ag- you know, backhand agreement. But I'm just asking. you, <laughs> do you think J'Nayvon is better than Kobe Bryant? We're going to set the record. No, no, I'm not going
2: to say a guy is better than the guy. That's what
1: you're going.
2: That's what it sounds like, didn't Judge? No, I'm not going to go that far. But what you got to remember now is, he would you rather play with him if you're another good player? Would you rather play with a guy that's going to – even though he's going to dribble all day, he's still going to get 10, 12 assists a game, or would you rather play with a guy who pretty much you're just going to watch him go to work? I think that's just – from a player standpoint, certainly winning cures all. So if you're Trevor Reason, you played alongside Kobe and you won a couple of titles, I'm, I'm sure you would say that. But if, if all things were equal, if all things were equal and both both guys played alongside the same guys, who would you rather play with? I think if, if you're James Harden and he's playing with a Shaq, I mean, Shaq is probably going to average 50 points a game because he's going to hit him with those lobs. The same lobs he's throwing to Clint Capella, he's going to throw to Shaq. And and that's where I think uh, James Harden would get the edge in terms of being a teammate that's more likable because he's essentially a facilitator as well as a scorer.
3: Yeah, I, I meant to correct myself. I said Bird. I don't know what in the hell I was thinking. Uh, yeah, I what? <laughs> Now, now you, you talk about the equivalent of barbecue chicken. That's Samuel D'Alebert.
1: <laughs> man. man, my got D'Alebert, man, you know, uh, former 76ers backup. He'll block uh, shot. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, who can block a shot? Sean Bradley probably could block a shot, you know. he get posted. Uh, exactly. You know, but I'm going to tell you, man, so how seriously should we take Houston? I'll put it this way, because I'm going to tell you something. I really thought when you look at last year, you know, and I know last year is last year, but they should have been in the NBA Finals, I think most would say, especially the way things were going with Chris Paul and everything else. Should we take them seriously this year, given the track record of Harden and Chris Paul, whether it's injuries or just folding in the playoffs, or is this the team that can finally go ahead and finish the deal? Who else is taking?
3: Well, we can both take it. I, I, I'll go ahead and take it first. I, I'll say this: last time Golden State played uh, Houston, James Harden let the world know nobody on their team could check. Yeah. Period. I mean, so if you get in a situation where you have a Golden State or a uh, Houston, or even a Golden State and the Lakers, because I think once, once LeBron come back, they'll they'll get back in the groove. You gotta respect that man. So this what is this what it boils down to me? Chris Paul is still resting. I'll rest him as long as I can, as long as James Harden on the street, even if he can come back. I won't bring him back down to All-Star. If Chris Paul is healthy and Eric Gordon is knocking down his shots, Clint Capella controlling the middle. Austin Rivers was playing well. Yeah. Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers
2: is actually playing exceptionally well. Yeah.
3: That that team is dangerous again, but man. we're, we're going to get on this later, but <laughs> Boogie looked good for the Warriors, man. So, hell, they just added another ball. So, shit, everybody just behind the eight ball again to me.
2: <laughs> hey, he, he did look good, too, and I'm one of those guys who,
3: who uh, has been guilty of saying that
2: he's not a winner, though I still want to see how he's going to compete when the chip's are going down when the, when the chips are tough. I want to see how he reacts when similar to when KD and uh, Draymond had their thing. I want to see if that occurs. Now it may be that him playing on a team like that and winning, we don't see it at all that we see a, a an engaged, motivated DeMarcus cousins who's looking to once again, um, you know, try to secure one of those big contracts because if he can show that he, uh, he could get it done with, with golden state, then I think there's going to be a team out there that's going to be willing to, uh, probably give him a a, a max deal
1: yeah definitely definitely man and we'll see this is going to be interesting to see how that all plays out man but what's also interesting uh as far as the NBA is concerned is Kyrie Irving and and the Celtics so and not just the Celtics but what's specifically going on with Kyrie now Kyrie came out and said that he called LeBron personally and apologized for the whole situation, essentially, that went down in Cleveland between him and uh, and LeBron and said that, you know, he realizes how he was acting was wrong at the time. So with that being said, OK, Justice, how do you feel about this, man? Kyrie's talking about, hey, man, I went to him as a man and apologized, and this, that and the other. What do you think about this?
2: Well, I mean, number one, hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> Kyrie Irving was a young guy who would won a title, and uh, seemingly had everything in the world at his disposal, but he decided that the grass may be greener on the other side. So instead of staying with LeBron James, an all-time great, he decided that he wanted to go try to do it on his own. And the one thing about basketball that I love is that the sport is the ultimate equalizer. And sports and like, in sports is like that in general, in terms of. It doesn't take long if you throw something out there and say, hey, I want to do this to prove whether you're going to be right or wrong. And so in this case, I just think it's refreshing because it shows that it's not always greed on the other side, that it's not easy, but it also shows that these guys are humans because Kyrie, after essentially basically talking down on LeBron and saying, man, I'm tired of being your your sidekick, had to come back and apologize. He had to come back and and show uh, humility and show that he wasn't the guy. And so uh, man, I mean, uh, that, that's one side to it now. On the other side of it, uh, you know, Kyrie was partially right before having to apologize that Lebron somewhat was, uh, you know, treating him as that little brother, that little guy, that young guy, whatever you yeah, want to describe him as. So, I mean, there, there's two sides to it, but certainly. Uh, Kyrie coming back and at least saying, Man, look, I was wrong, you were right, LeBron. It's not that easy, and I'm not built for this, I'm not built to be a leader in that respect. And that could be a reason that Boston, uh, maybe decides to move on from him. Though, I mean, we're talking about one of the games, great scores. I don't know how you do that, but if they ever did, this would probably be a rationale why. Definitely, Evan, what
1: do you think, man? Because I, and I'm letting people know, you tell me what you think, because I'm going in. So, you say what you do. Look, look. Now nah, I'm, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go because I'm slick. I'm not going to lie to the people. I'm slick watching this New England KC game. And I'm about to get hype on this. But, but go ahead, man. Go ahead and give me your thoughts, man. Go go in. Go in. I know you're ready to go in. Go in. Oh, all the LeBron haters. Oh, every
3: time he get a young player, his stats go down. Look what he did to Kyrie. Look what he did to Rodney Hood. Look at the Lakers averages going down. Man, shut the hell up. <laughs> sure. Every person who say that, they just hate LeBron. That's what it is. People hate Jordan. People hated Isaiah Thom- Thomas. People hated the bad boys. People hated the Lakers with Kobe and Shaq. People hated Kobe. You want to know why? Because people hate greatness for whatever reason. Everywhere LeBron been, he's won. And You want to know what Kyrie won? Every year without LeBron, his first three or four years, y'all won't know what he won. Nothing. He won a damn lottery every year. That's what he <laughs> was. He was in that lottery every year. Every year he was in a lottery. And he thought bring Le- when LeBron got there. See, everybody wants to say LeBron treated him like a LeBron, but what LeBron did do, LeBron was trying to hand over. The torch to Kyrie. If you listen to him, he kept saying, hey, I will let LeBron, I will let Kyrie take the last shot. Hey, I will let Kyrie do his thing. So it wasn't that LeBron was trying to uh, take over Kyrie or make him his son or a little brother. He just saw flaws in the kid game and knew that he couldn't run a franchise the way he could. That's why he came back home to get his his city a title because Kyrie wasn't going to be able to do it. So I'm going to tell you what Kyrie need to do. Kyrie need to go ahead and let Jason Tatum take over Boston because they were better without him. And he need to go and come be Batman's Robin again in LA with LeBron. Oh, man. I know. Look at I know.
2: Look, look, it. it. <laughs> <what he laughs>
3: look. look Josh, it's okay. It's okay. It is okay to be Robin. It's not it right.
2: But can LeBron win without a Robin? Can he win without a Robin? Can can he win with,
3: with just being Batman? Hell can't nobody win with just being Batman. Okay. Oh, give, me one, give me one NBA champion uh ship team that has won with one player. Give it to me. With with, with no with really no other qualified yeah, all-stars,
2: all-stars in there. I mean, it would the closest thing would probably be like that dirt team. Okay, or, but Jason Kidd
3: was a perennial all-star and Jason Terry shot lights out that whole time Just give me a note. Detroit Pistons. Who? They had a whole bunch of all stars. Rip Hamilton, Rasheed Wallace, Chauncey Billows, Ben Wallace. Come on, man. You gotta give me something else. Yeah, but they didn't have any superstars. I mean no,
2: Kyrie Irving. Awesome. Kyrie Irving is a superstar.
3: I mean, these, these Kyrie are- Irving is a second tier superstar. He's not a first tier superstar like James well, Harden, LeBron, James, Empty Davis. He is well, a second tier. You put Jane, you put, you put Kyrie Irving on that New Orleans Pelicans team, he don't get them to the playoffs. We've seen kind of. But but
2: none of those guys on that Dallas team, if you take them and put them on any team, they they're not gonna lead a team, and in fact, none of them really never did. Uh-huh. None of them without, without Dirk Nowitzki, I mean, what did Jason Terry do without Dirk Nowitzki?
3: Dude, Jason Kidd was an All Star. He's a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Jason Terry shot lights out that whole playoffs. But Jason Kidd was on the back half. He wasn't
2: the same guy he was even in
3: New Jersey. If you look at Jason Kidd, if you look at that, that season, he was giving you some triple doubles. Jason Kidd played well that year. And Jason Kidd has always been a locked down defender. Always. All I know is. Let's, hold on. What's the thing about that finals? LeBron and Wade, they froze up.
1: This should be real. Yeah, they did. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I
2: mean, it, it, it won't be the first or the last time LeBron freezes up. Certainly. Yeah. That's why his fans. I had
1: to get that in
3: there, man. That's why his fans are trying to get Kyrie to the Lakers. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get Kyrie to the Lakers because Kyrie needs help. He's admitted that he can't do oh. it. And so you're doing it for his sake. Yeah. Okay. Like, don't, oh. don't go out embarrassing yourself no more. Just come back home, you know, let your daddy. You know, teach you how to be a man again on the court. And and most of all, I want to do it for Boston. Boston was better. I told y'all this to begin the season. Y'all don't listen to me. Y'all think I'm crazy. Boston is better without Kyrie. It is what it is. Yeah,
1: I agree with that wholeheartedly. I don't know if I agree with that, man.
2: They are are a better team because, uh, like I said, Tatum and Brown were the focal points along with Scary Terry last year. And Al Horford did his name. And Al Horford was an all-star. I don't think but Al Horford going to be an all-star in the, in, this year. Not bad with that
1: The responsibility of Brad Stevens to figure out how to get those pieces to work together? Yep. Well, look, only
2: think, in college basketball and in, in high school, do we, when we really look at uh, coaching, does it really matter. In the NBA, it's, it's all about your personnel and how they fit together. I just think that Kyrie Irving being that ball-dominant guy who takes a lot of dribbles, but also it's not the distributor that a, that a James harden is that that's just what he's lacking Kyrie lacks the the gene to be a distributor to be able to get everybody involved because he's got more talent on the wing at, in in at the at the forward position than any other team i mean they yeah, got you got you got marcus morris you know he can he can shoot the three he's uh, gonna you know, post up yeah. if you need to you got al Horford who can shoot the three uh catch lobs in the paint you know, they they've even got the young guy Robert Williams who come in if they really need him to. Uh uh, I think Baines is still there. They, man, that team is loaded. And then you look at Jason Tatum and you look at uh and uh you look at Jalen Brown and then you talk about scary Terry Rozier, and Gordon then you Hayward. got uh Marcus Smart and then Gordon Hayward. Come on, man. That team is absolutely loaded. Hey uh, and, and they are just not as good as they should be. And I think it's because of Kyrie Irving and his uh ball dominance. Um it just doesn't work with
1: those guys. Kyrie just a few days ago had what 13, 14 assists in the game. You know what I'm saying? The game where he closed out and single-handedly took care of uh the Toronto Raptors in Boston. I watched that game myself, I believe it was last week. You know, we took took out uh took them out. He was going one on one basically with, with uh, Kawhi Leonard. And see, I that's like
2: my that. thing. That's my thing. He he's got a single-handedly do it. You know, you gotta have a guy that can that can lead with others, not just single-handedly do it. That, that's not That's not what's going to work for
1: them. But don't they have to step up? I mean, I think it's, I it's somebody, the young guy's responsibility to step up on their own, and that's what Kyrie's kind of saying. I really think that's the whole reason oh. he even brought up the LeBron situation.
0: Josh. He wants the young
1: guys to step up. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, I'm sorry, go ahead, my bad. No, yeah, no, I'm just saying, I think that's why he brought up the whole LeBron apology as kind of a subliminal message to the young players on his team. I don't think they like it. But I think that's what he's doing. You know, he's trying to say, "Hey, I'm I'm the LeBron on this team." You know, and y'all need to y'all need to get in line. basically.
3: So, uh, basically, by what you're telling me, all right. And, and y'all gonna laugh at me, but this is what I get. Tell me if I'm wrong. Kyrie is basically doing to the Celtics young core what Jimmy Butler did to the Timberwolves. He's calling them out in the public. He's throwing subliminal shots. And if I was them, I'd tell Kyrie, to hell with you. I've been to the Eastern Conference finals without you. You coming back messing up our rotation. We don't need you. We never – think about it. Think how crazy this is. If the playoffs started today, Boston would start off on the road. They never been outside the top four until Kyrie came back. Numbers don't lie. So, to me, he's kind of crying and complaining. That's why I said, go back home to daddy. Go back to L.A. It's not on Brad Stevens, Josh. It's on Danny Ainge to find the pieces to get his ass up out of there.
1: I don't know, man. Look, I understand what you're saying. But the thing with Jimmy Butler, I guess comparing the two things, Jimmy really didn't hide nothing. And I kind of respect that to a degree. I can't even lie to you. I don't feel like he did anything subliminal. He just kind of did it in your face. And you just had to deal with it. Kyrie is kind of beating around the outside. Didn't want to address it directly. I'm sure he probably does in the locker room. I don't know. And I will say this, it does seem like they don't like it because Jalen Brown already came out and said, we don't need nobody, um, you know, pointing fingers. And you know who he's talking about. So, you know, it'll be interesting, man. It's clearly a kind of a mess, even though they're still winning because they're so talented. Um, but I don't think they're at the point where they should be. I will agree with that. So, so it, it'll be interesting. So, so see how that all plays out. Go ahead. Go ahead.
3: Let me ask y'all this then, man. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Jimmy Butler, what do y'all think about John Calipari's, uh statement about Jimmy Butler bullying Carl Anthony Towns? I mean, it, it,
2: it's true. It's essentially what he did bullying, punked him. Uh, and, and I think it's it's something that, uh, you know, to be honest, I praise it because Carl Anthony Towns needed it, in my opinion. I think he needed a, a wake-up call in terms of how, uh, you know, a professional is supposed to operate when it comes to wanting to win. Uh, but it also shows that, uh, you know, he is a little soft because when somebody challenges you like Jimmy Butler does in practice, in the locker room, on the court, in the media. <laughs> uh, in the media, you know, and he's still doing it. Uh, you know, you gotta show up. And then Minnesota plays Philly, and <laughs> Philly proceeds to mop the floor with Minnesota. And you know, Derrick Rose was upset. He he really got up in him. And so that's the thing. Derrick Rose is almost like the leader of that team, but he's the quiet leader because they're better now, in my opinion, even though they don't have Jimmy Butler uh with Rose than without him. And um, they just need those other guys to step up now. Andrew Wiggins came down in that game against the uh, Oklahoma City and delivered yeah. uh elbow to the face of Nerlens Noel. It was one of the ugliest scenes I've seen on the basketball court. I think Nerlens Noel was unconscious in the air before he even hit the ground. His head bounced off that that uh wood floor and and he didn't move. That that was scary. That that was yeah. really truly uh, a scary scene and something that was weird about it. Andrew Wiggins didn't show any type of remorse when he when he connected elbows with, with uh Nerland Noel's temple at that point once Noel hits the ground it, which you got any type of compassion you're gonna turn around and check on the guy instead Andrew Wiggins walks off almost as if he's upset that they called a foul in the first place so I say this that team is cursed they're not going to win other than Derek Rose going to uh the all-star game i I don't care anything about Minnesota anymore. Because Andrew Wiggins just showed me why he's exactly who he is, which is the underachiever. Because I I didn't like that one bit. Uh, they showing him on the sidelines, and he's appearing to almost uh, be dismissive, and and it's just his whole body language. I I just didn't like it. Um, and so therefore, Minnesota goes on my shit list.
1: Yeah, I I, I don't blame. Him. And then um or maybe it was Michael. I think Michael Beasley did it too. But did then uh, Wiggins forget his shorts or something like that one game. That's not something crazy like that. I mean, they just don't seem like they care uh, that much. I can't lie, which I do understand Butler's frustration. And I would agree that Towns is being, you know, bullied is kind of necessary in some aspects. But the thing that got me is the whole thing with Jimmy Butler. And it's all right to criticize and even to, to go in on a teammate if you feel it's necessary. But the man took Carl Anthony Towns' girlfriend also. The rumor is he took her for a test drive. We all know what that means. So I'm like, man, come on now. There's only so much you can do to emasculate a brother. You know what I'm saying? You 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 can't do that. Evan, are you are you saying that that, that is justifiable to do such a thing? Were they married? No, no. I mean, you know, evidently he might have been planning on it, you know, putting the right to him.
3: Let me tell you something, man. I'm going to get off this because I don't need our fan base you know, judging me. <laughs> They're going do it already. It's too late. But go
2: ahead. Yeah, I'm about to say
3: they already know you, man. <laughs> let, me, let me not say that. But to me, I'm going to hop on Kyle first because with us being uh, in Memphis, anytime I get the chance to talk bad about Kyle, I'm going to take that chance. <laughs> it, this explains why he failed in the NBA. Because he's a punk. This explains why. You're saying that a seven foot-one guy got bullied by a six foot six guy. If he allowed that, his ass deserved to get bullied. We are we in the second or third grade of winning we're, we're in the NBA. Let me yeah, know. I way. think we're gonna have to start
2: calling that man uh Project Pat. John Calperry probably that pack because he's trying to save Carl Anthony
3: Yeah! For sure. <laughs> no, he's good. Look, look. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. <laughs> if, I was, if I was Carl Anthony Towns' girlfriend, I would have went with Jimmy too. He, 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 oh, man. I mean, he can't protect her. He can't even fight Jimmy. Look, at the end of the day, with all seriousness, this is the exact reason why Jimmy Butler used to call them out. If you remember, when he first got to Minnesota, he said, man, we got a lot of talent. And he did it professionally at first. A lot of people don't give him credit for this. He said, but these guys play too much. We got to get more serious if we want to make the playoffs. I remember that. Wasn't nothing wrong with that statement, was it? No, no. uh -uh. He proceeded to just take over. That's what he did because he saw they weren't at that level. Since Jimmy got traded, They have got the floor mopped with their ass night in and night out. You want to know why? Because those guys don't take the game serious. Those are the kind of guys, when you give them big contracts, they stop working out. They stop going hard. They are called franchise killers. And essentially, Tom Thibodeau has never gotten his ass kicked They are coach killers. They're cancer. And you got to get rid of one of them whether it's Cat or Andrew Wiggins, which it'll probably be Andrew Wiggins. You yeah, got we'll to get, get a bona fide goon in there with them because the, the stats and the numbers show the only time they've been worth anything is when they had somebody in there who get on their ass. Those guys don't take the game serious at all. And I don't want to hear that young because you got a lot of young guys who come in want to win ASAP. Those guys of, just I think Towns guy
2: take it more serious than Andrew Wiggins. I mean Towns, at least when Butler left, he, he got on a real hot streak. I mean, this really yeah, just brought it down. Well. This brought him down to earth, to be honest. He
3: had uh, 30 and 10 tonight. Yeah. Yeah, he's still playing well, honestly. I mean he had 30 and 10 because DeAndre Aiden didn't play, but he had 30 and 10. Yeah, and I thought
1: David they, they
2: had an opportunity to turn the corner, but uh man, it's just it's just I don't think it's gonna happen, man.
3: It's you know that's now, that's, that's
2: the thing that point. needs to
3: go get Lionel Hollins. No, yes, yeah, they do, but they also don't bring your ass to Memphis trying to get Sam Mitchell back. No, we keep it Sam Mitchell in Memphis. <laughs> he he will cuss them out too. Like yes, he will. will. No. Nah, keep I Sam Mitchell. I just looked at
2: the contract on Andrew Wiggins. This year, 25.4 million. Next year, 27.5 million in 2020, 2021. 29.542 million in 21 22, 31.6 million,
0: and in 2023,
2: 33 million. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness! And then that the year after that, Carl Towns is owed 36 million. They have just given up almost 400 million dollars in, in two players that I'm not sure can can really do much.
3: Man, y'all sure Robert Parrott don't own the Timberwolves too. <laughs> well, it
2: I mean, like it. <laughs> Andrew Wiggins getting paid is, I guess, is better than Chandler Parsons.
1: So. <laughs> he just throwing money around to the wrong guys, huh? Oh, That's goodness. crazy. And look, at least it ain't Chandler Parsons. I'll still rather have Andrew Wiggins than Chandler Parsons. I don't think it's even close.
3: I mean, all the difference is he can actually
1: play on the court. I mean, yeah, man. Look, at least give me that twenty, and you know, twenty yeah. points tonight. Andrew ain't you no know. you know, 20, man. What? I mean, what, 19, 20? That's, what, that's not what he does. I
3: mean, like 17, but he's shooting like 39% from the field. Like, like he goes like 3 or 14 to 4 or 14 from the field. He's a volume shooter. And he,
1: it's, like having, it's like having Rudy Gay all over again. You know? And actually, I was a Rudy Gay fan, so let me not slam the roof like that. He was but, right. you know. Man, look. People disrespect Rudy all the time. You know what I'm saying? Rudy, all those game-winning shots he hit for us, man. Don't don't, don't slander my guy Gay. He played well when the lights were on, but, boy, when they were off. <laughs> I'll
2: never forget Mother's Day against the Clippers. Swaggy P shot his lights out, hit three, four, five threes in a row, and Rudy Gay was walking up and down the floor.
3: I want to at fight him At
2: that day, I was done. I was done with him after that.
3: I wanted to fight him that night.
1: But are we talking about the big 26-point comeback? we
2: talking about
3: that
1: one. I don't
2: know. That a, See, man, I hate you it. Know what? You know what? I, I think I got my stuff confused. Uh, I'm actually talking about the game seven where oh, they were playing awesome. at home. Yeah and, he, yeah, and he just dribbled the clock out because he wanted to get a game-winning shot. And, <laughs> and they, they, they had plenty of time to go get a shot and get an offensive rebound. And, man. That was just deflating, but it was that series that that was the series where they blew it, and that was to be honest, I think that was the best year uh, where Memphis had an opportunity to really go deep, um, and and you know because he was healthy that year, and it just didn't happen. And after that, man, it was a wrap. I'm
3: I'm, I'm gonna ask you this, Josh, because I mentioned it to just earlier, um, yeah. and let me know if I'm if I'm over exaggerating or not. Does Brandon Ingram not remind you of Rudy Gay a little bit, or am I tripping? Cause I watched him last like, night. Uh, like, I mean, he was just. It reminded me a lot of Rudy. You know how Rudy a uh, uh, give you two dribbles, get to the middle of the court, force pull up, use his length, of athleticism. He'll bag you down and then hit you with that with that fadeaway. Yeah. He had a lot of Rudy Gayish moves last night to me. Yeah, yeah very,
2: very. Yeah, very. Is, gay, is
1: that a is that a new word we can use, Rudy Gayish? What <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say. Very- I was about to say it was very gayish. You know, right? <laughs> you, know what I'm uh, you know, I don't know if anybody want to be described like that. <laughs> it was very Rudyish. So me, <laughs> I, I feel you. You know, and, and honestly, it does. You know, with the length and the ability to shoot over guys, and that's what Rudy always has this advantage, man. And honestly, Rudy, I don't know how we talk about Rudy Gay, but he's starting to play better with the Spurs now. Yeah, uh, well, he
2: he's finally in a system where they're going to hold him accountable, so he's
3: yeah. got no choice. And he's nobody accountable out there, man. I don't think he know he done after this year. Uh, well, I, I think he could play.
2: Rudy Gay just needs to play on a contender at this stage in his career. Those yeah. are the type of guys you want—a guy that that could formally go get you twenty, coming off your bench or playing a smaller role on on a really good team. So he may just fit alongside Lamarcus Aldridge and. uh DeMar Rosen, that's a really good front court, to be honest. I mean, uh, Aldridge, he nearly had a 64 game this season. And DeRozan, uh, he's he's just a big game hunter. He makes he makes game winners, uh, mid-range shots like, like like it's in his sleep.
1: But what's crazy about it, I agree with what Evan's saying about Pop I do think you just look at him the way he acts, he he seems like he's just kind of along for the ride. But to show how great of a coach he is, he still has these guys as a really good team. You know, right there in the playoff mix um, and playing extremely well. So even with him kind of coasting, he's doing a great job, you know. Yeah. But, uh, I, I, do, I do want to say this, though. Hmm?
3: That's a team. I'm trying to go out to some players uh, on that squad. If I'm a contender, uh, I don't think the Spurs would be a playoff team. I, I might. If I want to try to make a run at Aldridge or or Rudy Gay or something, and I'm I'm one piece away, I might offer a draft pick, uh, late first round or something like that to the Spurs, uh, because they know that if even if they got in the playoffs, it'd be a seven or 8 seed. They'll lose to like you know the Warriors in the first round. They're not going anywhere. Well, if the playoffs if the playoffs started today, they would be playing uh, Oklahoma
2: City in a three six matchup.
3: Yeah. Yeah, but also – They're, they're I mean,
2: capable of beating Oklahoma City.
3: Yeah, but they won't be there because LeBron will be back in L.A. in a minute, and they'll be right back in the playoffs. <laughs> Rondo will be back. They'll be right back in the playoffs. Lonzo Ball is out for four to six weeks, but when he comes back, they'll be right back in the playoffs. So you know that's
2: happened? Utah has won six straight, eight and two in their last ten. Suddenly they find themselves just a half game out of sixth and uh a game out of uh, fifth. In fact, if Utah keeps up this trend, they're gonna catch Houston and uh San Antonio before all star break.
1: Yeah. And okay. also
2: and then and then Oklahoma City on the flip side, they're five and five in their last ten. So they better
3: get it together. Yeah, that's that's yeah, hey, go gosh, I want to do one more thing, man, before we hop off. I know we're it college basketball. Shout out yeah, to is. Rose, man. That that dude went 12 or 24 tonight, four rebounds, three assists in 38 minutes, had 31 points. All right. It, it's right after he gave San Antonio Spurs and Rudy Gay, 23 and 27 minutes. That's, That's awesome. Right. He's, he's,
2: the, re- he's the reason why I voted uh, him in the All-Star game last night. I left Harden off. <laughs> I should have actually went with Harden and Rose instead of uh, Rose and uh, Curry. But I, I want to make sure uh, Rose gets in there. So <laughs> I
1: thought I thought Justice. I thought you going. I swear I thought you going to say you uh, voted for Rose and and Luka Doncic. You
2: know, no, not I, quite. No. Well, well, Doncic, uh, he would be close to getting on one of my ballots, but just not yet. He just because you got one good year as a rookie. We talked about this with Donovan Mitchell. Doesn't mean that you're an all-time great because you got to come back and play again the following year. So for for Luka Doncic, I got to see more. That team was three and seven in their last 10. He's playing a lot of minutes. You know, so really what it is, he's stat chasing on a bad team. I c I can't just say, you know, now he he hits some great shots. He gets it done. He's averaging 20 points, almost seven boards, five assists, one and a half steals, but he's only shooting 43% from the field. Uh now he's shooting 36% from three, which is good. And he's got one of the better uh step back jumpers in the game. But tonight against Indiana, a really good playoff team. Eight points, five rebounds, six assists. Thad Young, Miles Turner, and company wasn't having it. And and we already know about Victor Oladipo and what he do does sure. down there. And uh so yeah, the verdict is out on uh Luca Good deal, good deal. I'll just try in terms of being a perennial off-star. Now he's yeah. good. He's good. Don't get me wrong, he's good. But yeah. in terms of him just being uh, You know, the next Larry Bird, and, and I got to see more because he's shooting 43% from the field, and tonight he shot 21% from the field. He was 3 of 14. So uh, the verdict is out on Luka Doncic in terms of being a perennial
1: all-star.
3: That's because Darren is in his grill.
1: Man, look, all I know is I was just trying to trying to piss off Evan again see if we get another rant real quick. That's why I threw that out there. But, I mean, Luka got
3: a whole damn country both from him. He's going to get
2: in regardless. Oh, yeah, he's in. He's in. Oh, hey, one other guy that's starting to to wake up. Yeah, I guess it took him uh, almost the first half of the season. Tyreek Evans uh, with with Indiana tonight off the bench, 19 points, uh, 7 of 11 from the field. We saw it last year uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, When he's on, he can really get it done. So they had five guys in double figures. Uh, Nobody scored 20 points, but Evans led them in scoring. Then you had Sabonis and Collison. That Indiana team—they got—they kind of go under the radar because they're not sexy. But when you look at Victor Oladipo and what he does as, as a as a guard, who 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 now I think is a perennial All Star, that team is good, and they're going to shock somebody in the playoffs.
1: Definitely, man. And all I got to say is, I know we're going to get to NFL in the back end after this college basketball, but this New England Kansas City game is absolutely nuts. It is just <laughs> insane, but. Uh, it was like uh, New England about to score, right? I mean, the pass that Brady just threw to Gronk after this New- Kansas City had just intercepted the ball. I guess it got called back. I don't know what just happened. Uh, it, it's I don't know, man. Brady is, it looks like there's another magical drive going on. Uh,
3: it's just typical damn Andy Reid. Uh, we, we, we'll we we'll hop on that, though.
1: That's just crazy. It looks like there are the three yard line, something like that, but Getting the college basketball. Uh, I guess it's a heck of a cliffhanger for for, for that part. <laughs> Getting the college basketball. Oh my God. Okay. Um, so upset after upset after upset after upset has gone down uh in college basketball this past week. Big time teams going down uh, from Duke to Virginia to Michigan, which might be the biggest surprise to me. Um, Kansas, all that stuff. Um Evan, I'll start with you this time. Which upset surprised you the most? The one that surprised me the most
3: um it's so hard, man, because Duke lost to Syracuse. That's kind of a rivalry, uh, even though I can't stand Syracuse coach. Um Virginia, we know. Virginia lost to Duke. Uh t- that's not a surprise at Cameron. I think you could say Michigan losing to Wisconsin. Well, no, the the I'm gonna tell you what the one that surprised me the most wasn't a top five matchup. It surprised me because Texas Tech lost to Baylor. Baylor struggled a lot this year. They struggled in non conference. Uh, think they lost to Texas Southern after to SWAC this year. Uh, former Memphis coach Johnny Jones uh, coaches them. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. that shocked me. Because uh, down there in Waco, um, Coach Drew is struggling. And he usually yeah. has good, good squads down there. So he's due a down year. Uh, but that shocked me because this Texas Tech team is, is why. This loss of Earth explains why I told you guys last week. Kansas lost uh, this weekend too. But this is why I say, man, Kansas still going to win the Big 12. Texas Tech had the opportunity to get sole possession of first place in the Big 12. And they couldn't wrap it up. Those teams just don't know how to be champions in the Big 12 outside of Kansas. That's what I'm getting. So, to answer your question, uh, Texas Tech losing to Baylor uh, was the biggest upset to me. And after that, um, the rest of them are just hard conference games, man. But I'm going to say this. I do think Michigan should still get considered. Them and Tennessee are the only two teams that should be considered. Uh, To be number one, because Michigan just played a hell of a non-conference schedule. We've talked about that uh, on a podcast plenty of times before. And uh, for them to only lose one game and demolish a lot of top teams in a country like they did, uh, that one loss don't change my mind about that.
2: Well, Evan, when you look at the Big 12 standings right now, Kansas is tied with Texas Tech, Iowa State and Kansas State. I think they're vulnerable because they're losing a team that they haven't lost to in years past. So when you look at the fact Kansas has lost to Iowa State and then also uh, the loss to uh, West Virginia, West Virginia is was 0 and 5 in the conference. They were nine. In in fact, they were eight and nine overall before they beat Kansas. They didn't lose to a normal Bob Huggins team. That was a bad team. Now, you look at Iowa State, you can say they're solid. They're 14-4 this year. So they they entered conference play at 10-2 in the non-conference schedule. But uh, I still think Kansas is vulnerable. Can Texas Tech get it done? That'll be interesting to see. But when you got four teams tied atop the uh, Big 12 after six games, I guarantee you if you go back over the last 10 years, you won't find a time, or even the last 15, where there were three other teams tied with Kansas at the top of the standings. Uh, six games into the into conference play. Uh, so I still won't be surprised if Texas Tech uh, doesn't pull it off. But all and, and I you too. yeah, yeah. Or Iowa State, who, you know, who, who owns some of those big wins. In fact, let me take a look closely at their schedule to see if they got any any uh, wins that really jump out other than uh, that one. I mean, they got the win over Illinois, uh, which is also a solid team. They lost to Arizona 71-66. And then they uh, also have a loss to Iowa. Uh, who, who's who's ranked in the top 25, but uh, certainly their losses in conference play to Baylor and Kansas State have only been by one point in, in against uh, Kansas State and then on the road at Baylor. So that Baylor team may be a little bit better than we think because obviously they've they beaten Iowa State so far and then also uh, with the big win over Texas Tech. So maybe Baylor is not as bad as we thought, it, and maybe the Big 12 isn't as bad as I thought. Uh, I think better. At, when you look at the bottom of the conference, it's not great. But Texas is a team that, to be honest, they had an opportunity to beat Kansas, and nah. so uh, that that conference, while it may not have the depth in terms of NCAA tournament teams, Baylor's a team that, if they continue to play well in conference play, they could sneak their way into the NCAA tournament. Well,
3: I'm I'm, I'm gonna say this, Justice. I don't mean to, uh, cut you off. I know Josh got to get in. I think the Big Twelve is a uh, a multiple a well. Uh, a lot of teams will get into the NCAA tournament from the Big 12. Like, I got to disagree with you on that. I know Kansas will be there. I know Iowa State will be there. I know Texas Tech will be there. Bruce Weber does a hell of a job there uh, in Manhattan. Well, actually, and, I'm uh,
2: saying they may be able to get, get more than four teams. Yeah, I think the okay. fifth team out of the Big 12 may go, whether that be Baylor or Texas or even TCU, which is weird because right now they're two and three in conference play. They were 13 and four. I mean, Oklahoma's two
3: and four, and they, they, they're, they're a top 25 team as of today.
2: Well, I mean, now that shows the bias. Let's keep it real. How in the world are you a top 25 team, even though they may drop out because uh, they lost two games this week, one to Kansas State by 13 points, and then they lost at Texas. Uh, they've also had a loss to Kansas and Texas Tech. It's not that like they're losing to bad teams. Um, and then they also have a loss earlier in the season over Wisconsin. So each, each time they played a, a quote-unquote great team, they've lost that game. The uh, the better wins out-of-conference play are going to be Dayton, uh, Wichita State, USC, Creighton. Uh, so they play a tough schedule, to be honest. And then they also got a win against Florida, who is a little bit down this year. So Oklahoma's one of those teams, like Louisville, they'll go out and play anybody anywhere. And uh, it's probably going to help them down the stretch. But right now, they got to get things together this week. And that starts with Bedlam when they go on the road to Oklahoma State. And you know that's going to be a big game on ESPN on the 23rd. Definitely,
1: definitely, man, and a lot of uh, intrigue around this, man, and honestly, I gotta, I gotta shout out Texas a little bit, because I know, kind of disrespected them, uh, maybe me, I know I did in the last podcast, then they come out and compete uh, down to the wire right, right there uh, with Kansas, um, one of those games that maybe, you know, I should have thought it was going to be tough, man, but, you know, I, I think uh, one thing I know I will stick with, I will stick with Kansas being pretenders, because the, the reason I call them pretenders is not just because they their scale on the Big 12. It's the fact that they always have high expectations based on the talent level and their coach and the history of that program. Based off of that, they are still pretenders because I don't think they meet up to that standard. They're not an Elite Eight team. I think they're barely a Sweet 16 team because you shouldn't be close with teams like the likes of who they've lost to and who they're uh, barely beating.
3: So, that's just my thought. Well, Josh, I'm going to say this. I mean, you can say that all day that Kansas is, is – is, and I know a lot of local fans are going to get mad at me for taking up the Kansas and Bill stuff, but oh well. I mean, that's a guy who's been in two national championships uh, in the last decade. true. Okay. You know, I mean, he's getting the job done. He has early exits, but he also – we're going to talk about the bad. We got to say that man has been to two national championship. Did he,
2: did he lose the national championship game to Villanova? Was that?
3: No, he lost uh, to Kentucky. He, he won one oh, okay. and he came out one time. Okay. So, I
2: mean. That's, that's nothing to sneeze at. That's nothing to sneeze at at all.
1: No, no, not at all. I mean, like I said, his pass is great. That's why the expectations are always there. But this team here, I just don't see it. I don't think he's doing a great job with this team, to be honest. I understand his reputation and all that. But it's it's just tough, man. Just based on what he's seen and what he's doing with certain players in certain situations, I don't think he's doing a great job uh, with this team. I think Deidre Gloss is saving her butt a ton because he is a great college basketball player. So, but we'll see. Yeah, if he continues to bail him out, you know. But um, it's gonna be interesting, man. But uh, going on here, I
2: know. What about the throwback night that took place? Down yes. in the American Athletic Conference. Memphis yes. State is back uh <laughs> with, with Penny Hardaway, man. I mean they brought back the Bennett jerseys. They look great. And in fact, they played arguably their best game of the season. Uh he had 11 assists from Jeremiah Martin, uh Keevan Davenport. He went to work. And then what, what can we say about Kareem Bruton? Probably my favorite player on that roster. Uh yes. he starts out the game five for five from three, finishes with 20 points, knocked down six of eleven from Treyland. Uh How good has Kareem Bruton Jr. been uh, once Penny Hardaway made the adjustment to insert him into the starting lineup alongside Antoine Jones?
1: I tell you, that's what we've been saying, Justice, Evan. I think we all kind of said that with Bruton. I know I have. I feel like Bruton has been kind of put on the back burner for the sake of the younger players and getting them acclimated. And I kind of understand it, but I think all that being said, the timing to put him back in the main roster – and giving them some major minutes and let them be a player, I think it just opens it up for everybody else. Um you know and something about those jerseys. Keep the jerseys all year. I ain't starting none of the other jerseys. Keep the Memphis State jerseys. They look great. And something about the swagger when they put those things on. And it I gotta gone.
2: say this again. That, those are the jerseys, and I've been posting this on and off over the last few years. I've always said go back to those jerseys because you got the huge leaping lo- uh, tiger logo on the shorts. The Memphis font, the traditional Memphis font that they need to go with, those are the jerseys only thing they need to do now is is add in the, the road blues and the alternate grays that I don't think were worn since the Tigers lost to Drexel in the uh, NCAA tournament back. Uh, this was the final season, I believe, for Lorenzen Wright before he declared. And, and to be honest, uh, I think Larry Finch may have uh, played, coached one more season. But those are it. So if you're going to keep the state on there or take the state off, that's the replica jersey. That's the jersey they should wear until the end of time. When you look at Michigan, when you look at Indiana, when you look at Oklahoma, when you look at all these traditional quote-unquote blue blood, they don't change their uniforms. They wear the same uniform. Um, and, and I think now with players wanting to wear small shorts, you just bring the whole set back. Because most yeah. of these kids, they're they rolling up their shorts anyway. Um, Especially sh- like Kareem Bruton every day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but well, You should go see Emmitt Williams down at LSU because he has both uh, – shorts rolled up now not just one leg both of them so uh the players i, I feel like they'll be wearing tights before it's all said and done i will
1: right, well, see that's a little too much uh
2: right
1: there, but I, I do feel what you're saying though but uh it, it's interesting man uh, evan what do you think man how you feel
3: well it was definitely a a throwback feel not just a jersey just a night uh yeah I mean, you're talking about being seven just think about this Last year, we struggled to get 3,000 butts in the seats. (laughs) Yesterday, Memphis had 17,000 for SMU team who probably won't even make the NIT this year. Yep. Think about that for a second. Let that register in your brain. That is huge. The turnaround that this team has, that this program has done with one hire. Remember last week, we said a bad hire can mess up your program, but a good one, can do a world of difference. Man, when it comes to getting excitement back around the city, but since seats, now this team is approving on the court, it was just a grand slam hire uh, by the University of Memphis for Penny Hardaway. Uh, it was a great It was a great day. Uh, Kareem Bruton, that's just his boy. He's been begging for him to get the star lined up since the year started. And yeah. last, yesterday, he just came out just letting it ride. I mean, the thing to me, when Broon gets one going, we know he can shoot it because last year he he made a couple game winners himself. So we know he can shoot it, but when he gets it going like he had yesterday, dude, that's scary. And he he uh, mentioned Antoine Jones, who I've been an advocate for since preseason. Y'all noticed the turnovers have went down since you put a six six guy point. Yes, dramatically. Well, well, to his credit also,
2: I think Jeremiah Martin has really settled in because if you remember early in the season when Tyler Harrison Lomax was in there, Martin was really like almost a small forward. He's really handling the ball also more, as is Antoine Jones.
3: Yeah, but you can't run and jump those no, six, 6'6 six, and 6'3. Six, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, you can't do that. But he, I, I, want to, I want to throw out this. Great, great night. Beautiful with 12 and 6. 4-1-1 in the conference, if I'm not mistaken. Here's what I'm yeah. going to go to, though. The next five games is going to tell me what I need to know about what this Memphis team is going to do as far as their conference record. Check this out. We're at Temple. They're fresh off of lost a loss to Penn, a Penn team they believe they should have beat. Friend up, we all know, can coach his ass off. He's going to have that team ready. Got to be prepared for that game. That game is Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. We got UCF coming home, preseason uh, number one team in the conference, picked to win at the uh, AAC. That's a top 35, top 40 RPI game. Got to protect your home court. Then you go at Tulsa, Frank Hate. That Tulsa team is always hard to play at the house. You're at South Florida, who's a better South Florida team. Then you got Cincinnati at home. That is a hell of a stretch for the University of Memphis. If we can go four and one in that in that stretch, that'll tell me something. Three and two won't be good enough for me. Three and two won't be good enough for me because that means you'll probably lose to either at Temple or you'll lose to UCF and Cincinnati. I think we need to beat those teams. Uh, I won't be satisfied with just being tossed in South Florida. Uh, So we
1: go ahead. No, yeah. So to your point on that. Let me ask you this just about this team, right, Um, Evan First and Justice. So where we are now, well, what the Tigers are on right now, do you feel like some of the bad habits are beginning to go away? Are we at the point, are the Tigers at the point now where you can feel more reliable about who they are consistently? Because that's one thing Penny's been preaching over and over, hot starts, consistency, pressing, getting turnovers. All of that was encompassed in that game against SMU, a team that actually had the same record as the Tigers did, at least in uh, overall record going into that game. Is that a good measure of how this team has improved and continues to get better going into the back half of the schedule? Or what? How, how, do, how do you feel?
3: I look at it like this. Whenever you hold a team, score this for the first six or seven minutes, you're doing something wrong. And, Yeah, absolutely. 14 that gave up 100 points uh, and, and gave up 90 plus points uh, multiple times in the season. That is huge. But mm-hmm. I'm going to hit you with this. The players are just being held more accountable. If you've been around the basketball circles, they say the best teacher for basketball players is the bench. The bench. The bench. Yep. Nah, he's sitting that ass down. If you don't want to do what I tell you to do, then come sit next to me and the coaches. And when you get your mind right, then we'll put you back in there. The so he's just holding these guys are more accountable. A lot of these guys was given roles instead of earning them. You're right. So the the best teacher in basketball is the bench. And these guys are being held more accountable. And that's that's going to translate into winning. Penny's system works. Those coaches know what they're doing. Either you're gonna buy in or you sit. And nine times out of ten, if you're a player that wants to be in the court, you're gonna buy in this sitting. Yeah,
2: and let's remember that backcourt went from being uh five eight, five ten, uh, and six three to now, uh, if if you if you go with your if you look at your point guard, shooting guard, small forward, they're now six three, six six, and six six. So uh you're just a lot bigger team. You're better on the board, you're better defensively uh it just it's, it makes life easy but also if you notice uh Tyler Harris has begin begun to adjust to that role and he's coming off the bench and he's scoring uh and giving the tigers what they need so you're still getting similar production uh, as what you would get from Harris cuz he was around 14 15 points a game once he started to settle down cuz that early start where he was just knocking down everything it wasn't sustainable but also the tigers weren't winning weren't playing that way so yeah. I think the the staff has done an excellent job of getting that team ready. Uh, they're 4-1 and one right now. And, and where they per, were predicted to be by the uh, – I'm not sure. if I think it was the writers. It, I, it wasn't the coaches because uh, I think the coaches picked them to be in the top four, or top five. But the writers picked them down around eighth and ninth. Those Tigers still have a lot to prove. And if they can continue to get Mike Park in, Parks engaged, he can't rebound. He didn't have any rebound, but he had 11 points. The guy can finish around the paint, get him those touches early. Uh, allow Maurice to do a little bit, but uh, Kevin Davenport, he is an all-conference performer. I'm oh, glad he's back in the starting lineup because I think if he was coming off the bench, they would have snubbed him, but there's no
1: doubt about it now. He's a top-five player in the ACC on the AAC. Yeah, no question. Davenport continues to impress me game by game. <laughs> confidence is getting bigger and better. I mean, he had a bad dunk on a straight drive to the rim. It just dunked on him. That just shows the confidence that he's building just to be able to make a move like that last year, you wouldn't even want him to put the ball on the floor, you know, at all because he would just drop it or lose it. But you just see the development there. And I gotta, you gotta give Penny credit for a development. even with a guy that's not technically his. He's growing his game and developing his game. Um, just in the little time he's had him. So even Rainier Thornton, man, Thornton had a good game, um, you know, yesterday. So, um, If you can get 10 and 11 from Thornton, um, we hit knocking down some shots and getting rebounds, I mean, that's that's a huge win. Is out the bounces. and I think that team is
2: dangerous if they do what I think they're going to do. And and remember, now I predicted that team would win uh 14 and 2, 13 and 3 in the conference, and I've got them uh making a run, making a run at that AAC, not only the regular season title. But remember, the conference tournament is going to be held in Memphis, Tennessee at FedEx Forum. uh, That plays into the hands of the Tigers, especially when you look at the fact that Penny Hardaway has been able to galvanize that fan base, not only with their play uh, this season, but also with the recruiting and the scheduling. He's brought back the heavy hitters. Georgetown is likely going to be back on the schedule. Tennessee is already locked in. Ole Miss is locked in. Uh, We're looking for possibly uh, the addition of Arkansas penny hardaway has done what he said he's going to do what his predecessors failed to do and that is they got rid of all the rivalries the tigers yeah. stopped playing louisville they stopped playing tennessee they stopped playing old they New trying, New trying New to New get to louisville, New louisville. New New York, too. yeah yeah well rivalries are born out of proximity yeah or they're born out of similarities well louisville memphis georgetown those are big city programs you're in dc you know you're in uh uh louisville those are t- cities where they care about basketball. In fact, really, they're more so mid-sized cities, even though D.C., uh, they're kind of in that huge region. But they care about basketball more than anything. Um, and so when you look at that, then you go with those state schools like Tennessee, Arkansas, Ole Miss, line them up. Line them up. That's what I say. Line them up because it gives you an opportunity to exercise those demons. And uh, it's a, it's an inferiority complex oftentimes because these programs, they think they're better than you. So yep. why not go ahead and line them up and beat them? But now, I love
3: hold on, Justice. Now you think it's eighteen? It's eighteen AAC conference games. So you're saying no more than two or three losses. You saying Memphis is going to go sixteen and two, or fifteen and three, right? I think I'm somewhere around there. That's why I, I, I don't know why i was counting
2: sixteen game schedule. But if you go back, if you go back, and I almost, I almost want to go back to that first podcast. I, I, I definitely have them either like sixteen two, uh fifteen and three in the. So conference. you don't
3: think they lose? So you think they're about to – so they're 12-6 they're and six now. They're 18 games in. They got 13 more. You think they're going to go either 10-1 and one or 11-2 and two in the next 13? That's going to be tough, but I'm going to say this.
2: Yes, if Penny is continuing to coach and adjust and evolve like he is now, and that means playing the best players. For me, it was always about looking at the roster and assuming that these guys were going to play. And the guys that are playing are the ones I, I felt like should have been playing. To be honest, if it was me, I would have made another adjustment with Thornton. But because Parks and and, uh, even uh, Maurice are not great rebounders, it just means that you have to play uh, Rainier Thornton because he's going to defend and rebound. And and what we've seen now is – once you take the pressure off him thinking he's got a score, he's actually pretty decent in terms of maybe making an open shot here or there or, or you know, finishing. But uh, I just look at Antoine Jones, 6'6". The guy is talented. He can post up. He can defend. He can distribute. You look at Jeremiah Martin, who was already an all-conference performer and, sh- and has shown that now not only – Uh, can he score, but he's distributing only eight points in the last game, but he gets 11 assists and it's the way he's getting the assists. And he's already one of the top defenders in the league, averaging two assists, two steals a game. Then you look at Kareem Bruton, uh, not only a potent scorer, but a guy who's gets in the passing lanes. He's almost at two steals a game. He had three steals in the game against SMU. And then, so when you look at that lineup, when you look at the talent that they have from one through seven, one through eight, they can go. It's the job of that staff to put those players in a position where they can succeed, and as long as Penny Hardaway, uh, Mike Miller, Sam Mitchell, Tony Madlock, and that staff continue to do it, I think the Tigers are going to be
1: right there, and they're going to have an opportunity to do some special things this season. So, and I, I'm glad you you said that because that was my last point or last question, at least, to you guys. Um, are the expectations? Because we talked about expectations all year, because you know how Tiger fans can be and everything, but. That being said, with the way they've played as of late, are uh, expectation uh heightened expectations reasonable now. It's not just with the conference, but also an NCAA tournament I will
3: I would say after these five games, I will know. Okay. Because, and this is not me being a well, whatever, I don't care what nobody thing. They haven't beaten a, a solid team yet. Yeah. They haven't beaten any of those. LSU's or Oklahoma States or Houston's or Tennessee's or Texas Tech. Yeah. That's why these next five games. Now, I think the adjustments in the lineup that coach staff have made could possibly uh, you know, peddle them to do that. But right now, it's still a wait and see thing to me. Uh because these next five games that I that I mentioned, they're not gonna be easy. Yeah, we beat we beat Tulane. We beat East Carolina. Those have been two of the weaker teams in the last five, six years in the AAC. And and we had a great game against SMU, but SMU has faced a lot of injuries. They weren't at full strength. So we need to see what they're going to do in these next five games because not even two weeks ago, they just got embarrassed at Houston. And that's the team you're going to have to go through if you want to win the AAC tournament at your house. So- now, if I'm not mistaken, and that's Houston game
2: did they go with this same group that they're going with now? Or are they playing the same way? It almost feels like there's been an adjustment in terms of – I still feel like uh, Davenport was coming off the bench, and if Jones was playing, he he didn't get the minutes in that particular game. Well, maybe
1: they just walked into a buzzsaw. They did. I think it's a little bit of both. Now, they made some adjustments because Jones was playing more at that point. But I do think Davenport was still coming off the bench because I remember the next game, Penny started the seniors and that was yeah. that was terrible but it was I just think
3: give me these next five games before I hype them up like I said yeah. if we're doing 4 to on one in these next five games hey pump them up but I'm going to hold my my reservations on if they're going to be a you know one of the top two teams in the AAC because they haven't shown it yet they just haven't shown it yet now the lineup is intriguing I love it but you could like these all day until you see it produced. Uh, I got a whole reservation.
1: Definitely, definitely, man. And you no, know, we just got uh, a few more minutes, probably about 20 minutes or so. Want to get to since everything is now final. Uh, if you guys can, can see, goddamn uh, it is unbelievable. The New England Patriots are the AFC champions. They just uh, finished defeating. The Kansas City Chiefs in a classic. Um, Both games were really good, I think. Honestly, man, Um, we have the champions. We have the Super Bowl that is set. The Super Bowl will be the New England Patriots and the Los Angeles Rams. Ironically, (laughs) um, the first team that Tom Brady played in the Super Bowl was the St. Louis Rams. Uh, against Kurt Warner and those boys. So now, back in his career, he's playing the Rams again. Now they're in uh, Los Angeles. But, man, Evan, what do you think, man? Uh, I guess we can start game by game here. Um, We can start off with the Patriots. Yeah, let's start with this game that just ended, man. How how you feel about it? Uh, I mean, Brady,
3: he went 30 or 46. He aired it out almost 50 times. Uh, He threw for 348, so he basically threw for 350, but he only threw one touchdown and uh, had two interceptions. Uh, Sony Michael's—he uh, had 113 yards on the ground, average four yards a carry, with two touchdowns. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, if you're Kansas City on the road, you, you gotta at home. I'm sorry, if you got New England on the road and you're Kansas City at the house, you gotta win this game. There's there's no ifs or about it. You gotta win this game. So to me. We're used to Brady and them doing this. we used to Brady and Belichick figuring it out, winning the hard games. You know, every year people want to say, I think I said this on the radio uh, at the beginning of the season with, with you, Josh, and I think we had Isaac Arrivals on. And people yeah. were saying New England is going to be done. This is the year that they're going to fade away. And what I say, I said, no, it's not. They, they do this every year. This is really what they do. Um, one thing that I do want to say, though, it seems to me like Patrick Mahomes went toe-to-toe with Brady. He was 16 he, he had 300 yards thrown. He had three touchdowns with zero interceptions. All right. This, to me, is more about Kansas City and their head coach, Andy Reid, not being able to seal up the big game year after year after year after year. After year. Three things you can bank on. Death, Texas. Andy Reid not winning the big game. He never had, <laughs> never had. It looked like it's crazy. That is crazy. Clues. Clues. He hasn't won the big game. Um, hey, I, hey guys, I, I hate to cut you off, but I gotta
2: say this. Evan, I love how you uh, integrate that uh, statement in. You you could throw in anybody in there.
1: Death <laughs> taxes. <laughs> <laughs> look, I smell a t-shirt. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and and insert Evan uh, <laughs>
3: something. <laughs> I mean, but it's it's true though. I mean, yeah. he does it every year. This man has one of the best. Hey, if he's coaching in the regular season, I'm hiring him all day, all day, because his team has one of the best regular season records all the time. But I don't want to just you know kill Andy Reid. This was a great game, classic, instant classic. But I think we saw today what we already knew. Tom Brady and Belichick is probably the best coach quarterback duo of all time. And Patrick Mahomes is an upcoming rising star. Uh, I would have loved to see those two young quarterbacks, Jared Goff and Patrick Mahomes, in the Super Bowl. I mean, because they would have just let it ride. But Brady has to come up against, and we'll talk about this in a minute, another young stud in Jared Goff and Sean McVay as the head coach of the uh, the, uh, Los Angeles Rams. I'm very excited for that matchup.
2: Well, I'm gonna tell you why I'm excited because I'm in LA and it's gonna be some Super Bowl party. So I'm getting ready. <laughs> <laughs> I, get, I don't know if I'm going to somebody's house or if I'm gonna go to the parlor right on Melrose where it's where it's popping. But I am looking forward to the to the Rams, and I'm not a Rams fan, and I'll never be. I will <laughs> never cheer for an LA team. I can only oh, cheer my. for Memphis teams. If if I cheer for a team, it's got to be a Memphis team. Other than that, I'm just a uh casual observer. So with football, you you're now a, a raunch uh Memphis
1: Express fan.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I'm with I'm with that. I'm with that. I'm I'm down with the
3: with the single movement. Hey that hey, no, we we might need to be glad we do Target Talk Tuesday and not Monday cuz I don't think Justice would be able to make it. If it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can you count me out for that
2: one. <laughs> I already know. So <laughs> I already so, know. Who, so who wins this game? Will it be uh, Tom Brady doing it again?
1: Josh first. Well we we still haven't talked about the Saints game. Yeah, let's 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 have on the Saints game first. Um then didn't, didn't get into that because that's a a, a great question also, man, but just, you know, of course, we know the uh, the Rams came out on top of that one. Another great game uh, to me. But the end was controversial. And if you look at social media, Evan, I don't know if y'all seen everything that's been talked about that game. Huge uprising about the referees and how a lot of people feel they screwed the Saints. Um, to me, I'll just say this first. I know you got a lot to say about that that game. I think that's an excuse. Because I know there's always going to be bad calls. There always are going to be. But why would they want to screw the the Saints out of the Super Bowl? I mean, I think the NFL would more than anything like to see Brady and Breeze in the Super Bowl. I feel like that's big money. You know, and maybe it's because of the L.A. market. I mean, it might have something to do with it. But, you know, I, I, I just don't know if I could buy that. But I do think there was a bad call, especially that hit. Uh, helmet to helmet hit and it was an early hit uh, to one of the Saints players on that drive that led to the uh, field goal and then the Rams driving down the field getting that field goal. Um, but I don't know, man. Uh, Evan, how do you feel about that? Well,
3: I do want to say that it was a missed pass interference uh, call, uh, which is the, the call that you're alluding to. Uh, it was a blown call and, uh, and the NFL has already came to the Saints and said it was a missed call. Uh, but in the game, one play doesn't, you know, determine the game. They still had an opportunity to go into overtime. They still threw an interception in overtime, and they still let the Rams march down the field and win the game on the game, win the field goal in overtime. So the game wasn't over with. Uh, you still had a lot to play for. but Exactly. And not to mention this. You had the Rams down 13-0 at your house. Mm-hmm. You got to close that game out. But I want to make a point. I want to give a huge kudos to the youngest coach in the game, Sean McVay, because the Rams were down 13-0 in the second quarter. They had just went three and out. And it took a lot of guts for McVay to do this in his own territory because they was at their own 30-yard line. He went for a fake punt. Yep. Uh, That was huge. Yep. Johnny Hecker uh, threw a first down for the Saints. And they went on down. They didn't score a touchdown. They scored a field goal but it got points on the board and it gave them momentum. Think about if he punted that ball and New Orleans went down and scored another touchdown and went up 20 nothing. They don't win this ball game. They don't win this ball game. That was the thing that changed this game to me. Having the belief and faith in your special teams to run that play correctly and having the uh, faith and belief in Johnny Hecker to throw uh, the ball accurately and get you that first down. That was a momentum swinger. Uh, for the Rams and Jared Goff, 25 or 40, 300 yards, one touchdown. He did have one INT. They only had 77 yards on the ground in overtime. Drew Brees to me through a terrible pick. To me, you almost take that set. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, the defense was right in his face. He knew yeah. he was going to get hit while throwing the ball and the ball just kind of lofted in the air. It was an easy interception, easy. And to me, as a veteran quarterback, it kind of reminded me of Brett Favre going out. If you remember, yeah, that, <laughs> and oh, he just, I guess, yeah, yeah, yes, mm-hmm. that's what it reminded me of. And he just killed his team. But you gotta throw that ball away or take the sack. I mean, you're Drew Brees. Exactly. If you, if it's third to fifteen, you're still in striking distance because you're Drew Brees. So mm-hmm. I I'm I'm disappointed in that throw. Uh it essentially cost him the game. Uh but it was a hell of a game. Sean McVay, shout out to you, man. I've been talking about him the last three podcasts. That guy is thirty two years old, gentlemen. And he's going to the Super Bowl. And it just tells you I'm from Memphis. Anytime I get a chance to bag on the Nashville guy, I will. It just tell you how bad Bill Fisher Wills was with the, with the Los Angeles Rams. He was terrible. He was terrible with the time. He was terrible with the Rams, man, because Mac MacVay at 31 came in, took his team to the, Super Bowl, to the playoffs, took them to the Super Bowl. That team is, to me, the best team in the NFL. And I got the young quarterback and the young coach upset the future Hall of Fame coach and quarterback in the Super Bowl of oh, the wow. Patriots. Hey, oh my God. God. I'm, I'm
2: glad I'm not the only one that's got somewhat of a, a disdain for Nashville.
1: Appreciate, appreciate, that, appreciate that plug. <laughs> but first of all, first of all, I, I got to clear one thing up. The Titans would be in this position right now if Mariota was healthy. That's all I'm saying. Look, let's, let's you know, I'm, I'm going to move on. We would have beat, beat the Titans. What? But I'm just saying, y'all gotta have faith, man. My team, Derek Henry was on a roll. It just, it just messed up flow up, man. But nonetheless, congrats to the Patriots, whatever. Yeah, Josh, right. my race will be in the Super Bowl next year. No, I mean, look, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you know. look, look, I can't, I can't round you. What I said make more sense. <laughs> but, but nonetheless. I like this. I do agree. McVay's done an amazing job, right? With this team. He's basically a protege, the protege that a lot of people said that he was and lived up to it. And I think exceeded any expectations he had going into that situation after Jeff Fisher just ruined him, ran him straight into the ground. Um, but in just a couple of years, they're in the Super Bowl. It was really amazing. A guy in Jared Goff who looked like he was going to be a bust under Jeff Fisher. The next couple of seasons looks like one of the up-and-coming young quarterbacks in the league. Um, great offense of mine. I'm going to tell you how great Sean McVay is. This may surprise you. McVay is so good that he makes Jared Goff look like a good quarterback, and I don't think he really is. System, man. I really, I really don't think he is. It's the system. I agree because key situations, you know, Golf, man, I, it, it's weird how in the NFL you can coach around a player. I'm not saying he's terrible, but I don't think he's as good as he's looked in this system um, because I see too many times, even in this last game, inconsistent with the ball. Sometimes he will throw an amazing throw in an amazing situation uh, like he did several times in this game, and sometimes he will just inexplicably throw it five to ten yards short of a receiver that's wide open. I think – you know, McVay has done a great job managing him and putting him in the best situation to succeed, which is what a coach is supposed to do. Um, you got Todd Gurley. You got C.J. Anderson. And who would have expected him to be as important as he's been? He's been on two teams um, this year, right? Yeah, two. This is third team. Third team this year. Uh, yeah, uh, which is just insane. He was with the Raiders, uh, you guys. Um, he's blessed to be in this situation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Shout out to John Gruden. One of the many good players he got rid of um, for the Raiders and um, and everything going on there, but he's been uh, a big help, especially with Gurley. He hasn't been particularly healthy in this playoff run, but he's given them a lot of rest to come in and, and hammer his way through the defense. Um, so, all that being said, um, I think it's a great, great story, and it's going to be a great game in the Super Bowl, but the thing is, the Rams defense has got to step up. True. Because even in this game, early on, just like you were talking about, you made a Facebook post about it, Evan. Those the Saints blew that themselves. They should have been up 21 to nothing. Yes.
3: You gotta score in the red zone.
1: Yes, they had two opportunities. They just, they dominated the ball in that first drive, got a field goal at the I guess you can give the Rams credit, I guess, but I didn't like to play calling down there. Uh, they get an interception and basically only have to go five to ten yards, and they can't do that. Gurley dropped the ball. Yep. Gurley, yeah, exactly. He dropped the ball. So all of that being said, um, the Rams, uh, you know, they, they kind of lucked out in some situations, but they were well coached. Sean Payton did not do a great job in this game. Not at all. You see too many instances. Where he blows games trying to do too much. I'm gonna tell you one thing. You may not notice Evan because they, the Saints ended up scoring a touchdown. I forget what drive it was. But that quarterback Hill came in and they put Drew Brees out at wide receiver or something. They were at the goal line. And they tried to run this overly complicated play yep. when you're two yards away yep. from the goal line. And I'm like, what is this? You you're trying to be too cute. And you see, Sean Payton does that
2: all Don't the time. It down the
1: throat. Yes, just run the ball. You got those running backs. Just do it, and they still got lucky with the touchdown because evidently Sean Payton wanted to get that a uh, hill kid a touchdown some way, um, and he ended up scoring. Uh, but all that being said, kind of reminded me of uh, Mike Novell. Man, actually, dude, man, <laughs> you
3: just took the words right out of my mind, man. Like, I didn't want to <laughs> say it because we're on the NFL. But, <laughs> <laughs> man, that is Mike Northfield all the way. But I will, yeah. I will say this. This is why I feel like, man, the NFL Super Bowl would be great this year. Because at any time of the year, uh, you could just walk up to a random person and they'll say, you could ask them, you'll say, hey, who's the best team in the NFC? Who's the best team in the AOC? And a lot of people would have said, in the NFC, give me the Rams. In the AFC, give me the Patriots. To me, the two best teams, and I think the top four teams in the NFL was in was in the conference championships. Yeah, they were. I agree. To me, the two best teams in the NFL are in the Super Bowl, and it's going to be a hell of a matchup. Because Brady and those guys might uh, be able to score on the Rams, but they're not going to be able to yeah. stop the Rams either.
1: No, not at all. I'm definitely excited about the Super Bowl, man. I'm excited a ton. And just think about it. You got the the man himself, Bill Belichick, and, you know, the legend, um, you know, in Tom Brady. Both of them legend. The legendary combination, coach-player combination. And against the young up-and-coming protege in Sean McVay and his system quarterback as well, uh, Jared Goff. You know, and some people even argue, even though I think Brady has an innate clutch gene that you cannot teach. But that being said, I do think he flourishes in the system that Belichick has. Yeah, which is why he does what he does. It's not taken away from Brady because, like you said, certain things you just that the role of Gronk um, and overtime and, and regulation, whatever, um, was just unbelievable. Um, how he makes that, how Gronk still makes big plays as he's injured all over his body and still uh, does clutch things. There's certain things you just can't take away. But the system has definitely been to Brady's be- benefit uh, to the same extent with uh, Jared Goff. So we'll see,
3: having, um, I, I know we're going to close out, but it's, it's even sure when Brady was injured or he was out four games with the with the flake gate, the of quarterbacks yep. always
1: win. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. You're right. Um, and, and You know, I think that's why, oh, boy, that's with the, the 49ers is going to be uh, a bust <laughs> with Even though he's played decently well, but he ain't worth that, that contract, man. And that all these excited 49ers fans are going to find out next year. That's just a whole other thing. But um, we'll see, man. I just hope, the one thing I hope, and I worry about a little bit, will the stage be too big for the Rams? Because at one point they looked shook in New Orleans, golf looked shook. That whole team looked shook in that loud Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Hey, it's just one of those- I want to
3: say this: in uh, the Super Bowl, they won't be on the road. It'll be a, a, a neutral game. Uh, you won't have to be looking at uh, fifteen to twenty thousand fans, just or, or even more than that. I'm sorry, uh, just. screaming at you. So, it'll be kind of neutralized. So, I mean, but this is where stars are born. If you're Nick Bay, if you're golf, if you're the Rams, I mean, don't don't forget, the Rams got some heavy hitters on deep. So, let's not forget that this is where stars are made. If you could come out and knock off one of the best, if not the best, quarterback, coaching duo the NFL has ever
1: seen, you put yourself in the league company. Definitely. Definitely. I agree. hundred percent, man. And we'll see. Um, and I got to ask this last question to you, Evan, um before we close. If Tom Brady wins this Super Bowl and he beats, he closed, you know, closes the door on another Super Bowl championship beating the very team he beat in his first Super Bowl, is there any chance that he decides, okay, what else can I do? I will quit. I, would, I, don't know, I wouldn't quit.
3: i retire. Um, one thing about it in the NFL, if you can leave with your rings, your money, and your health, yep. you want to get out of there. Uh, essentially, yep. if he comes back and wins another one, I mean, if you go on social media now, you got people talking about we should boycott Brady in the NFL. I mean, they're, they're joking, of course, but they're just saying they're tired of him. People grew tired of Jordan. People got tired of Jordan going go to the finals. I mean, people are tired of LeBron right yeah, now. Yeah, people are tired <laughs> of LeBron. That's why they were happy that he moved to the West. They got tired of that man winning in the East. So, um, something new would be good for the NFL. I I agree with that. But, I mean, leave with your health, man. You're rich for life. You got your rings. You're arguably the greatest quarterback in in the history of the NFL. To me, you are uh, your first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, Go ahead, man, and enjoy the rest of your life. You got a beautiful wife. Uh, Go ahead and just uh, enjoy the rest of your life, man. Yeah,
1: I agree 100%, man. him, health and – you know, a lot of people call him the GOAT and all these rings. I mean, if you want another one, I don't know what else you can really say. Right. Um, and this is coming from a person myself. I've never been a Patriots fan. I've I never cheered. <laughs> I, I see. That's what I'm saying. I never cheered for the Patriots. I was rooting so hard while we're doing this podcast, in my mind, trying not to scream, uh, for the Chiefs to win this game. But you can't deny. See, that's what greatness does. It get, greatness is to the point where you can't deny. Even if you hate them, that they're great. Yep. You know, and that's, that's, yeah, that's the point the Patriots. Yeah, absolutely. Always, man. So we'll see. And I can't deny that it's always interesting when they're in the Super Bowl. matter how many times they seem to keep going. Because you want them to um, lose so bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm literally texting with a Patriots fan at this moment. That is uh, getting on my nerves. So uh, <laughs> with that. With that being said, man, um, another great addition, the Liberation Sports Podcast, Uh, Evan DeVoe, Justice Bolden, myself, Josh Midget. man. Y'all be sure to subscribe anywhere you can. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at deliberationsp1 on Twitter to find out more about uh, the Deliberation Crew, man. Um, And uh, Facebook, Deliberation Sports Podcast, all that stuff. Same on Instagram as well. Uh, Keep up with the show. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We are on iTunes. Search Deliberation Sports. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts. Basically, anywhere that's a podcast, just search <laughs> Deliberation Sports. And uh, you can find us there, man. So, for Evan DeVold, Ray Justice Bowden, I am Josh Midget, And, my and my we will see you well. next time on right the Deliberation on Sports the well, you better
0: take your shot right now, cause it might be gone tomorrow. Might be gone. to play with the hand I got, I ain't never been on the ball. Play my hand. It's a 1KF invasion, and-